0: This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by TeamPay. Wouldn't it be great if you had a way to automatically enforce spend policies and gain full transparency into requests for funds all the way to reconciliation? And what if you could do that while empowering your employees to buy what they need when they need it? TeamPay gives total control and real-time visibility into spending. TeamPay's distributed spend management platform automates the purchasing workflow and gives you proactive controls and real-time visibility over company spend. And TeamPay also empowers your employees with a user-friendly purchasing experience. When employees make a request, TeamPay automatically enforces policies, issues intelligent payments, and automatically sends the transaction data to your accounting system pre-coded. To learn more about how TeamPay modernizes how you manage spending, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo/teampay. That is is forward slash T-E-A-M-P-A-Y.
1: Your accounting system, whichever one you use, if it finds itself containing patient names or addresses of patients, will have to comply with the privacy and security rules of HIPAA.
2: Welcome to the Cloud
0: Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. I'm David Leary.
1: And I'm Mariana Ancheva, VP Legal of Sage Intact.
0: Mariana, thanks for joining us. We are here at uh, Sage Intact Advantage. Live in Las Vegas. Live recording right in the middle of this major walkway. It's there's a
2: rotunda. People are going from sessions to other sessions, and there's elevators going upstairs. I mean, this is a big conference. There's like thousands of people here.
0: I like to always look at all the sessions, and I plow through them, and I'm like, why? And I saw yours, and I'm like, why is a lawyer speaking? to a bunch of accountants and bookkeepers. And so you you usually don't see that at the conferences we tend to attend. So how did you become a speaker at Accounting Conference?
1: Yeah, Intact Advantage. (laughs) Well, this is my second advantage uh, for Sage Intact. Last year, I volunteered to speak because the GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation, a privacy regulation, quite comprehensive, that came into effect last year in Europe, was something at the forefront of the news, as well as we were um, getting questions at Sage Intact about our own compliance. So I volunteered to do a session. Uh, for Advantage, and I ended up quite surprisingly to myself, even uh, being the highest rated speaker at last year's Advantage. So this year, S- S- the Sage Intact Advantage team invited me to do two sessions. The
0: Defender title.
1: Yes. <laughs> and, and of
2: course, you know, in the world of professional services, uh, if you do well, you just get more work, right?
1: That's <laughs> Very true.
2: <laughs> that's the real world. So this year you're speaking on, uh, what are the two topics you're doing this year?
1: I am doing today, uh, which is Wednesday, October 23rd, I'm doing the California Consumer Privacy Act, a new California law that's going to come in effect on January 1st, 2020. Mm-hmm. In California, and it's quite comprehensive, uh, privacy-oriented. And tomorrow, I'm going to be talking about HIPAA.
2: And that is the uh, health, uh, health information, help me with that acronym.
1: Let me help you here. HIPAA stands for the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, which is a federal law dealing with the providers' provision of medical care, as well as the handling of Individual medical information called protected health information.
2: So I have a personal story around HIPAA uh, compliance, which is that I started my career as a bookkeeper, and some of my earliest clients were in the medical field, occupational therapists, uh, doctors, right offices. And you know, I'm just I'm a bookkeeper. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a CPA at that point. And to me, it was like no big deal that we had patient names in the accounting system. Right. And we were tracking uh, their sessions or, you know, in different ways and whatnot. But I understand that that is not okay to do in certain respects, right? Like we have to keep, what, what, like the big picture around HIPAA, we have to keep the, the, the patients anonymized somehow. Mm-hmm. Like what, what is the, what's, what, what do we have to avoid doing? Okay, so
1: as a lawyer, in a typical lawyerly fashion, let me ask you a question (laughs) before I answer your question. When was that?
2: Um, So, I guess that was like five years ago. Okay,
1: so you're asking actually uh, somewhat of a history question, yes, because HIPAA has evolved over time, especially around the issues that you're alluding to, meaning um, how protected health information is handled, how secure it has to be, how private it has to be. Um, HIPAA was originally passed in 1996, and at that time it was passed as kind of a framework that it was supposed to be filled in in over time. Mm -hmm. The original focus was more on the portability part, portability of health insurance when employees change jobs portability of medical records, when patients ch- change medical providers. But over time, this framework got filled with also the privacy and security aspects. In 2004, mm. the the privacy rule came into effect, and it deals at a very high level with how um, how private the medical information has to be, with whom it can be shared, et cetera, et cetera. And then two years later, 2006, the security rule came into effect. And it deals with how secure the protected health information has to be protected from unauthorized disclosure or or alteration. And then 2009, um, another couple of big developments, the breach notification rule came into effect. um, And that deals with who do you have to tell if you realize that protected health information in your custody, has been un- disclosed without authorization. That is the breach. And the other development in 2009 was the HITECH Act. And here I have to refer to my notes because Tech stands for Health Information Technology for Economic and Clinical Health Acts. And, um, yeah, very simple, uh, but the high tech act deals with, uh, electronic health records also expands the HIPAA privacy and security rules to business associates. And I assume you were actually a business associate,
2: right? So that gets us to the question is like, why should we as accountants care about HIPAA, right? If it's medical information, right? Like we're just
0: touching the money. Yeah.
2: We're just, we're just accounting for the, the business, right? Why do, why do we care?
1: Okay. Another legal trick here.
0: Yes. A legal Before
1: trick. I answer this question, I would like to include a preface here. Okay. Because HIPAA does not apply to every single company here in the United States. It applies to what HIPAA called, calls covered entities. And covered entities, is at a very high level, are kind of three kinds they're providers of health services, they're also health plans, could be health plans or healthcare clearinghouse. So if you're an accountant providing accounting services for one of these covered entities, definitely HIPAA has to be at the forefront of what you do.
2: Because you're a business associate of these covered entities. And
1: what a lot of, um, um, sometimes it gets missed, a lot of people don't realize that a patient name in and of itself, or a patient name and an address in a, themselves, without further medical information, actually constitute protected health information under HIPAA.
2: And this is what I had no idea about as a bookkeeper, is that, I I don't know what the reasoning was, but I I think whoever set it up thought, okay, well, we're not including any medical information in this file, it's just names and addresses for invoices.
1: This is a very common misconception.
2: Right. But so that is, I I can't even have that in the accounting system, uh, unless unless the system is compliant, right, with those data protections, is that what I'm?
1: Exactly yeah. right, your, your so, accounting system, whichever one you use, right. um, if it finds itself containing patient names or addresses of patients, will have to comply with the privacy and security rules uh, of HIPAA.
0: This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Bill.com. As a listener, you've probably heard Blake and I speak about Bill.com on numerous occasions. It feels like they're discussed monthly in either new news or new announcements, but I'm betting there are some things you don't know about Bill.com. Did you know... Customers use Bill.com platform to process over $70 billion in payments for the 2019 fiscal year. That they partner with several of the largest U.S. financial institutions like Bank of America, PNC, and Chase. More than 70 of the top 100 U.S. accounting firms use Bill.com. Bill.com not only connects to all the popular accounting software providers, they also connect to many of your favorite apps as well. To learn more about how Bill.com's AI enabled financial software platform creates connections between businesses and helps manage cash inflows and outflows, head over to cloudaccountingpodcastpromo slash bill. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash B I L L. Got it. And and
2: that you know it excludes the vast majority of accounting software available on the small business market, right? Because I've, I've looked into this, you know, like, like, nothing that's selling, you know, direct to, like, the, st- the products that you would get at Office Depot are not HIPAA <laughs> <laughs> compliant, right? <laughs> Generally. So.
0: So, so then I see this ripple effect, because, like, um, obviously we're seeing uh intact advantage today, and there's all those apps in the Expo floor, and they tie on to but they also tie that all the other accounting systems that are out there. So now there's like a ripple effect because maybe the accounting system's HIPAA compliant, but maybe that timesheet app isn't. where, Where does this stop?
1: That's an excellent question because you assume that HIPAA follows wherever the protected health information goes. And that's exactly right. That's the concept of a business associate. Someone who is not the covered entity but performs services or holds information for the covered entity. And if um, Sage Intact, for example, our application were to hold protective health information for our customers, applications that link to it, that's your question. um, Do they have to be compliant with HIPAA as well or not? And um, the answer, here comes another lawyerly answer. It depends. It depends first on whether Protected health information makes it into the other application because in many cases it actually doesn't. If it is an application that does, for example, employee expense reimbursement, there's no protected health information, there's no patient data in that application, so it won't have to comply with HIPAA. But assuming that protected health information makes it into the other application, then it also depends because some purposes of, for handling protected health information are out, actually outside of the scope of HIPAA. And HIPAA lists what these are. And examples of that are some, some forms of scientific research, for example, would not fall under HIPAA. Or what is perhaps more pertinent to our listeners today is um, you know processing uh, for financial purposes, such as processes of consumer-conducted, transactions by debit credit or other payment card or the clearing of checks or electronic fund transfers things like that are outside of the scope of HIPAA okay so it is a very complicated set of rules almost like playing chess
0: like collections I imagine too because collect the way collections works a lot of times you that 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 patient didn't pay you now you turn that over a collections agency and sometimes they sell it to 50 other collection agencies I mean technically that's the patient but sounds like that Based on what you just said, all of a sudden it's not covered.
1: We will have to delve into the depths of the, <laughs> of the HIPAA regulations to verify where collections stand on one side or the other. Um, and if you have listeners who are interested in that, I urge them to consult with their legal advisors because, again, the rules are so complicated.
2: So how does Sage Intact help with HIPAA compliance?
1: Well, Sage Intact announced its HIPAA compliance last year, and it was a kind of an involved process for us. Well, uh, almost
0: a decade after right. after the high-tech standards were put in, it took a decade for Intact to even announce.
1: We have had interest um, by pr- uh, prospective customers asking whether we are HIPAA compliant, so First, we conducted a customer survey to understand what the actual need is, and um, we realized that the typical use case scenario for Sage Intact is when the accounting team needs to process and issue a refund check to the patient. That's when the patient's name and address make it into Sage Intact. So we said, okay, there's need by our customers and prospective customers uh, for us to be HIPAA compliant so that we can address um, this, this uh, use case without resorting to some workarounds. Um, so we um, engaged with a vendor, um, a sword and shield, and conducted gap analysis. And we realized that we were uh, already in kind of pretty good shape, uh, because we're PCI compliant, we're SSA 18 compliant, so the gap analysis resulted in a kind of high 19 percentage compliance already. Um, The most uh, probably involved gap that we had was um, our ability to track not only who has edited accounting information in the system, but also who has accessed it. Uh, One of the rights of the patient under HIPAA is to receive information from the covered entity who has accessed that patient's health information. And in, in an application such as ours, this turned out to be a pretty significant technical issue. Imagine, for example, you run a report and the patient information makes it into the report. Or you have a drop-down menu, which is pre-populated uh, for convenience purposes. That's also considered access. Um, so we took um, a very detailed approach We um, did significant product development in in our May release in 2018. We launched the Advanced Audit Trail, which does this advanced tracking of access. And an interesting fact for our listeners, um, I myself last year um, had to have surgery at a renowned Silicon Valley hospital. And I was given the option to create an account on the website of the hospital for myself to communicate with my doctors, to track my prescriptions, things like that. So, per using the website in my account, I saw a button, who has seen my information. I'm like, HIPAA, access rule, let me see who has seen my information. So, I clicked, and I was so underwhelmed to realize that the system returned only my own logins. (laughs) I'm like, ah, amateurs.
0: (laughs) So... When it comes to HIPAA compliance, so like obviously, if you to be a CPA, right? If you want to, you have to take a bar, like go through the bar exam to become a lawyer. Do you just like test it yourself and be like, hey, we're HIPAA compliant? Or is there some certification board that's out there issuing stamps, medallions for being HIPAA compliant?
1: So th- there is no official certification for HIPAA compliance, but there are vendors who would provide a independent assessment of your systems and processes and would issue a verification whether, in their opinion, you're compliant. So Sage Intact uses Sword and Shield as such a vendor and uh, so does can push annual that liability, compliance,
0: like, yeah. we, we hired these guys, they said we were, you can push that liability off of you a little.
1: I, it's. I don't really view it as a reassignment of liability, okay. but it is something to reassure our customers that we're taking it seriously, that we're continually monitoring and staying on top of it every year.
2: Let's do a hypothetical. <laughs> uh, I am... Uh, A CPA who owns a small accounting firm, and I have lots of medical offices that I do outsource accounting for. And we have exactly that situation that you mentioned, where that use case, where we're very careful not to include any patient information uh, in the general ledger. The doctors have their own practice management software. We're just recording the income and expenses. Except every now and then, the doctor has to issue a refund check, and we will cut that check and that now there's a patient name in the general ledger. Mm-hmm. And we're not using a HIPAA compliant accounting system. We're using something else. What is my risk? What is the risk I'm running, right? If I just keep doing that, like what are the potential penalties that I might face? Because it's very expensive for me to change accounting systems. You know, maybe I'll just keep doing it if it's not that you know, big a deal. <laughs>
1: um, well, from the mouth of a lawyer, It's never a good idea to ignore the law, but that is especially true about HIPAA. Um, HIPAA carries significant civil and criminal penalties, and HIPAA takes actually into account the culpability uh, of the company and how reckless or willful they were in violating the HIPAA rules. Mm -hmm. Um, So in really bad cases, the civil penalties can go quite high up to... Uh, 1.5 million dollars per year per type of violation Um, but on top of that there could be criminal penalties for willful violations going up to 10 years imprisonment so HIPAA is no joke.
0: I'm trying to like think about a poor accountant or bookkeeper now, right? Like, so so you have to you have to know IRS regulations and guidelines, right? You now because of uh, Wayfair versus South Dakota, you need to basically understand sales tax nexus at a completely ridiculous fifty state, county, city level across the board. Now you have to also know HIPAA laws because your clients might. Like, like uh, the poor accountant or bookkeeper has to know everything now these days. Uh, and
1: like, may I add the California Consumer Privacy Act? Oh, yeah, the Act, Privacy maybe? Act, no, that's next, that's next. <laughs> privacy
0: Act, yep, absolutely.
1: Or the uh, privacy laws of um, about a dozen states that are still in the works but may come into effect in the next year or so.
2: Fortunately, what the California Act only applies to businesses of a certain size, right? And it's it, the threshold is, um, do you have those offhand? I, I don't remember. It's like...
1: that's. M- that is my presentation in oh. about 38 minutes. So right, we'll let new me give you the number. <laughs> it is um, it is over uh, 25 million in revenue uh, or um, a business that derives more than 50% of their revenue from selling personal data or a person a business that sells the personal data of more than 25,000 people per year.
2: Yeah, and to me, not to get into this. That's this is really a topic for another episode. But to me, the big logistical hurdle seem, would seem to be figuring out how to get all of that customer data into one place, because mm-hmm. you have to be able to return it to the customer if they ask for it, right? Yes. And so you, if you have like everything in spreadsheets all over the place, it's impossible.
1: Very true. Right. Very true.
2: Very difficult, right? Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I hear that buzz, and I think that means people are changing sh- sessions, and you probably have to get over to... Your session that you're going to be leading, so. especially
0: with the reputation of being the best session person <laughs> for Master.
1: Well, let me first try to defend it this year, and then we will talk again.
2: So, uh, Mariana, uh, we always ask our guests, where can people contact you, get in touch with you online, if they'd like to continue the conversation.
1: Of course, um, um, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Mariana Ancheva, VP Legal of Sage. Uh, I check LinkedIn pretty regularly um, shoot me a message if you would like to connect
2: wonderful thanks for your time thank Thank you.
1: you thank you